We're in week three of a four-part series. I'm wrapping up this series next week. Really can't wait for next week's message as we're in a series called Don't Settle. Don't Settle, Living Your Best Life. And today I want to talk to you from this thought, who's sitting at your table? Who's sitting at your table? Did you notice my table over here, everybody, huh? Every week I've been having a proper illustration. You don't ever know what's going to happen when you come to people's church. One day I'm going to come through here flying through the sky. And I'm going to have a sermon for you. I'm telling you, you don't know what you're up for when you come to people's church. It's a good time. Who's sitting at your table? You know, tables are one of the most important places of human connections. Just in our culture and our society, we do so much connecting around tables. We talk around tables. We we do business deals and business transactions around tables. We have meetings around tables. And my favorite thing is we eat around tables. We, we love eating around tables. Matter of fact, there's an explosion of restaurants over the last decade or so. I mean, restaurants everywhere because we love together and eat around tables. And, and I realize this is a bad question to ask during the middle of a fast, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Come on, on all of our locations, would you shout and scream so I can hear you? I want to know on the count of three what your favorite restaurant is that you love together and eat around the table. Your favorite restaurant on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's what it is. That's Mine too. <laughs> you know, it, it shouldn't be surprising when you read the Bible that you find God showing up around tables. Matter of fact, it's been a really interesting study. I'm, I'm always several months out on studying and preparing messages. And, and th this was a unique study for me that in the Bible, you find a table at the center of, spir of the spiritual lives of God's people in both the Old and the New Testament. You just see God showing up around tables. Matter of fact, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples about his forthcoming death, he did not give them a theory. He gave them a meal around a table. Matter of fact, let me show you this to you. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 20, it says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will Betray me. Around this table, Jesus went on to explain his forthcoming death to his disciples. Around this same table, Jesus instituted, in verse 26, he instituted the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. The first Lord's Supper took place around this table. God shows up around tables. Jesus was anointed with oil around a table. Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 14 verse 3 says, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Mary anointed Jesus with expensive perfume around a table. It was such an important event in history that God put it in our Bible, because God shows up around tables. Jesus revealed himself to people around a table. Notice in Luke chapter 24 and verse 30, it says, when he was at 
the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Let me give you a little context to what's happening in this portion of Scripture. After Jesus rose from the dead, Cleopas, this is the only time you see this name in the Bible, this man, Cleopas, and another disciple were actually walking on the road, and they were perplexed about what had happened to Jesus. His body was no longer at the tomb, and they were thinking, what happened to Jesus? As they were talking on the road, Jesus shows up on the road next to them and begins to talk to them, but they did not recognize it was Jesus, and then they ended up going to sit down at a table, and as they were preparing to eat a meal together at the table, their eyes were open, and they recognized it was Jesus. God showed up around a table. Jesus ministered to sinners around the table. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Notice the tax collectors and sinners were reclining. They were comfortable with Jesus around the table. They were relaxed around Jesus. Jesus ministered to sinners around a table. And some of the most important events in my life, some of the most powerful moments, some of the big God moments of my life have happened around a table. After I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 17, I had a youth pastor named Jimmy Reynolds. I went to First Baptist Church on Meccasookie Street, and Jimmy invited me and some other teenage boys to his home and we would go to his home and he would teach us God's word and there'd be food on the table and it was a growing time in my life spiritually I was being discipled God showed up around the table Tiffany and I we went on our first date ever and we went to Applebee's (laughs) and ate around a table. God showed up around a table. Tiffany and I keep our flame alive in our marriage by once a week going on a date, and normally it's out to eat around a table or at a coffee shop talking around a table. God shows up around tables. Our family keeps a connection with one another by having dinner together around a table two to three times a week. God shows up around a table. People's church was actually started by my wife and I meeting with some couples around a table and recruiting them to start this new church with us. It all happened around a table. God shows up around a table. Meetings, I have meetings every week. I have an executive team meeting. It happens around a table. As we plan the the future of our church, I meet with the creative team once a week around a table. I meet with the events team once a week around a table. The most important meetings every week in my life and for our church happen around a table. A table. God shows up around tables. And friends, can I tell you, if you're going to have God moments and be all that God wants you to be, it's important who's sitting at your table. Some of you are not experiencing the God moments that you would like because you have the wrong people sitting around your table. God shows up around 
tables. And the question I present to you today is who's at your table? Let me give you some thoughts here. Number one is this. Don't sit with bad company. Don't sit with bad company. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1, blessed. And that's what everyone wants in 2018 is to have a blessed 2018. And he tells us one of the keys. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You will not be blessed and live your best life if you hang around people who are wicked, if you keep company with wicked people. And here's why. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Don't, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. No matter how good your character is, no matter how much integrity you have, no matter how close you walk with the Lord, if you hang around bad company, your character will begin to erode. You are becoming the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose wisely. The, the people that you spend the most time, the top five people you spend the most time with, you are becoming the average of those five people. Choose your friendships carefully. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 24 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with, e with one easily angered. Or you may, notice this, you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Friends, relationships are powerful. You will become like the people you hang around. If you want to catch a cold, hang around sick people. If you want to live a wild life, associate with wild people. If you want to be on fire for God, hang around people burning for Jesus. Because you're going to become like who you hang around. And the worst decisions of my life, they can all be traced back to the company I was keeping. Who was around my table. Back when I was in high school, I was chasing some girls and living wild and doing things I had no business doing, cussing and stealing and looking at pornography, addicted. You know what I could look at back at? I was keeping company with the wrong people. And that's why we tell our children, you know, you tell your children, watch who you're hanging around. You guard their friendships because you realize the power of friendships. And my bad decisions can be traced back to the company I was keeping. And when I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 17, I didn't understand this verse. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know bad company corrupts good character. But I just knew I could not continue to hang out with the friends I was hanging out with, not because of the Bible. It was just common sense. Because I was not strong enough to influence them. They were going to influence me. And this, listen, one of the most difficult decisions in life that I've ever made, and one of the best decisions in life that I ever made, was to change my friendship group. It was difficult. Because can I tell you, when you grow up in a little small town like I did, and these are your friends, and your family knows each other, and you're all close, and then all of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to be your friend right now. I cannot hang out with you anymore. We can't spend the weekends together because I'm not strong enough. You're going to influence me. I'm living for Jesus now. I'm not going to influence you. We don't have things in common anymore. That is a difficult decision. And some of you, you're at a point in your life, you are missing out on what God has for your life. You're being held back, and it's tied to who's at your your table you got the role pastor we're close we're boys we're girls we've known each other since junior high do you want your purpose 
Do you want your destiny? You want all God has for you? Who's at your table is so critical. That's why the Bible says blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Who's at your table? You will become like who you hang around. Number two is this. You need godly friends at your table. Godly friends at your table. And one of the biggest challenges and biggest obstacles that holds so many Christ followers back is in our culture today, there's this, there's this kind of movement towards isolation. This, this, I don't really need anybody. I don't trust people. People crazy. I don't do people. And people nowadays just kind of, I don't want to connect with people. I don't really need close friends. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I can handle life on my own. And friends, I'm telling you, every single one of us need godly friends. All of us do. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your personality type. Well, pastor, I'm an introvert. It doesn't matter about your personality type. I'm an introvert as well. I just fake it really good. But I'm an introvert. But I need friends. I need godly friends in my life. It doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO. Or it doesn't matter if, you, if, if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. We all need godly friends. You will never be as sharp as God wants you to be, as powerful as God wants you to be, as strong as God wants you to be if you do not have godly friends in your life. It's important that we all understand godly friendships are not optional. It is a requirement to be all that God wants you to be. That's why there are scriptures like this in the Bible, Proverbs 27 and verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A godly friend will sharpen you. We need godly friends. They, they encourage us. They pray for us. They laugh with us. They will cry with us. They will be there with us during good times, during bad times. They help us to become more like Jesus. They inspire us to do the right things. We need godly friends. That's why there's verses like Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do you have friendships in your life that spur you on toward love, toward good deeds? Who's at your table? Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily. That's the key word I want you to see. Daily. See, we need consistent encouragement. We need godly friends who consistently encourage us to make wise choices, but encourage one another daily as long as, as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see what godly friends do? They encourage us to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. But some of you have friends that encourage you to say no to Jesus and yes to sin. And that will hinder you. That, that will stop you. You need friends in your life that will, that will encourage you, that, that will say, listen, I don't want sin's deceitfulness to harden your heart. And they will encourage you to be more like Jesus. Who's at your table? I thank God for godly friendships. I can honestly say that I would not be the husband I am, the pastor I am, the father I am, the leader I am, if it wasn't for Who's been around my table? Elector Pearson, back when I gave my life to Christ and we woke up, he was a couple of years older than me, and 
we would read God's word together. He would challenge me as a friend, and we would have a race through the Bible, and we read the Bible together through probably two, three, four times, racing each other through the Bible. He was a friend that, that just, just sharpened me in God's word. I, I remember Greg Ross. Greg was in my, my, my wedding, and in college, I, I remember I was really seeking and searching the, about going into ministry full-time, and I didn't want to pay those outrageous school bills, thank God for college, though, praise the Lord. But I was like, man, is there a way to play football and get a Bible degree at the same time? And Greg and one of his friends told me about a school where I could get a Bible degree and play football at the same time and thank the Lord for college scholarships, somebody. And I got to play football and got my Bible degree at the same time because Greg Ross spoke into my life. Friends, can I tell you God shows up around tables? Pivotal moments in my life. I thank God for Jason Upton. You can Google Jason Upton. Uh, Jason is a very popular singer. He has CDs out and uh, records out. And he travels full-time and ministers in churches and big conferences. But Jason and I went to college together. And, and, and a, a couple of summers, Jason and I traveled together. We, I would travel and be the preacher, and he was the, the worship leader. And we'd go do service together our junior year and, and just, just kind of minister around our senior year. We would just go do that together. And Jason grew up in church. Jason knew more about church and traveling and church etiquette. I didn't know nothing about it, so Jason poured into my life. He told me as a friend how to handle myself, how to conduct myself around pastors. It was a friend that opened up the door, and, that, and then I ended up traveling full-time after college. Jason up than a friend. God showed up around the table. I, I thank God for my small group right now. The, those men in my life and those women in my wife's life, they encourage us. They inspire us. They keep us accountable. They minister to us. These same friends are there for us. Man, when it's a birthday, our children have a birthday. They, they, they get gifts from our friends. Can I tell you, friends that, that just inspire me to be more like Jesus Christ, I would not be the man of God I am if it wasn't for who's at my table. And some of you, what you desperately need is some godly friends at your table. You're missing out on what God has for your life because of isolation. Because some of you are like, I'm at a table, but you're by yourself. How many know some people that get crazy when they get by themselves? You're like, no, get in public. Go talk to somebody. Because you're like, man, you, you're losing your mind. You need some godly friends. And our, our small groups, that's what small groups are all about. We've been having small groups around people's church for years since the very beginning of our church because we understand the importance of godly friendships. Next week, our small groups are launching. Would you find a small group to get into? You say, Pastor, I don't do people. And I'm telling you, if you don't learn to do people, you're not going to be all that God wants you to be. you got to get some godly friendships in your life. Go check out Group Central. Next week, check out one of the booths that will be up as we launch our small groups. You need godly people around your table. Number three is this. You need mentors at your table. You need mentors at your table. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Now, here's what the Bible is insinuating here, that you need people in your life that are wiser than you. Walk with the wise so you can become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. We all need mentors. And here's what mentors help us with. Mentors know more about a particular area than we know. And we need those kind of people in our life. Mentors, they see before we see, 
They see more than we see. They see farther than we see. And we need mentors in our life. And you can have mentors in various different areas of your life. And when you're selecting a mentor, please choose somebody who's actually living what they're teaching. I see this all the time. You know, like, yeah, I got a mentor. They're mentoring me in my parenting skills. They don't have any children. They're mentoring me to be a disciple and to follow Jesus with passion. They don't live for Jesus. Why are you taking advice for them? Well, they're helping me in my marriage, but their marriage is broke, busted, and disgusted. Why are you taking marriage advice from them? Listen, don't, don't take financial advice from somebody who's broke. The last service was quiet. I'm glad y'all laughed. I'm telling you the truth. Walk with the wise and become wise mentors have helped me so much in life having the right people around my table pastor robert johnson my freshman year in the state of arkansas when i was in college pastor robert is the one who first of all i first got ordained at the age of 18 through pastor robert johnson and his ministry in church and then pastor robert is the one who taught me first how to write a sermon I wasn't very good, but he was teaching me. I thank God for a mentor. I thank God for Jimmy Reynolds. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he, he gave me a passion for God's word. And he took me through Henry Blackaby experiencing God. And I became passionate for God's word. I thank God for a mentor. I thank God for Jim McNabb, who still pastors in the Oklahoma City metro area. Back when I was in college, my sophomore, my junior year, Pastor McNabb believed in me and saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he, he, his church was the first church I preached at that had over 1,000 people in the church. I'm thinking, I'm a junior in college, preaching 1,000 people church. Oh, my God. From Wewoka. Come on, somebody. He believed in me. It was a mentor that was seeing something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Mentors see more than we see, see before we see, see farther than we can see. I thank God for President Spence, Robert Spence, who taught me about longevity and integrity. President Spence, the university I graduated from, he was the president there for over 40 years, and he taught me, Herbert, if you will stay at one place and don't give up, God can use your life in a great way. And he taught me to value longevity. I thank God for Mike Bodine when I was at my lowest place in ministry and I felt like a loser. I felt like giving up. I thank God for Mike Bodine who spoke in my life and said, Herbert, you're under spiritual attack. The enemy is attacking you. God has something for you on the other side of this. And he prayed with me. We cried together. He encouraged me. He caused me not to want to give up anymore. I'm telling you, mentors have played such a vital role in my life. You will not get to where God wants you to get. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You still need people speaking into your life. One of the saddest situations is when you're always the smartest person at the table. You're in trouble. Pastor, I don't need no mentor. I'm the smartest at the table. No, you're not. You just think you are and you're in trouble. 
Because you're never going to maximize your potential. You're never going to be all that God wants you to be unless you get people who can see more than you see, see farther than you can see, and see before you see. You need mentors in your life. Who's sitting at your table? Number four is this. You need a mentee at your table. A mentee at your table. I'll look that word up to make sure it was a word. It is a word, church. I can't, I can't make up words every week. Come on, somebody. So that's a real word. Listen, if you've been a Christian for a month or for a thousand months, God has called you to go and make disciples. People's church, there should be people in your life that you're investing in. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, therefore go and make disciples. That's not talking about for preachers. That's not for the pastor. That's for every Christ follower. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, go and make disciples. Come on, at all of our locations, would everybody say, go? It's okay. Go. Go and make disciples. And I want to encourage you to go find someone to invest in. Here's what I want you to know, whether you've been living for Jesus for 30 days or for 30 years, I want you to realize there's a ministry inside of you. There's a ministry inside of you. You are a minister. Actually, my role, according to Ephesians 4, is to equip God's people to do the works of ministry. There's a ministry in you. And I want to inspire you to go and invest in somebody's life. Who's at your table? You're passionate about something. You're gifted for something. You're wired by God to make a difference. Some of you have a passion for prayer. Come on, out of this prayer group, when you're showing up in, in the mornings, find two or three people that come to prayer and say, let's start a prayer group. Let's pray together. Because you're passionate about it. It's a ministry. Some of you, you're passionate about Bible and Bible studies. Start a Bible study. Gather some people and start a Bible study. Some of you are, are passionate about outreach. And you have a passion for the homeless. You keep saying, Pastor, I'm waiting for you to start a homeless ministry. No, I'm waiting for you to start it. Go start a small group. God's called you to ministry. Some of you are passionate about helping single parents. Start, start a small group. God's called you to ministry. Some of you are passionate about some sport or, or, or some hobby like motorcycles or hunting or fishing or basketball. Turn that into a ministry. You can pray before you do it. You can, you can say, I'm going to invest in lives. You, listen, cooking can be a ministry. When you cook, you say, I'm going to invest in somebody. I'm going to find some young folk, young, and we're going to cook together, and I'm going to talk, and we're going to talk about life. I'm going to mentor you in your finances, in your marriage. Turn it into a ministry. Some of you have a passion for marriage and, and marriage ministry. Listen, I want to release you in Jesus' name. Start a marriage small group and, and let it grow and go. Come on, if God's in it, it'll explode. You just got to take small steps and, and go. Go and invest in people. Make disciples some of you love business and you're an entrepreneur and would you take that gift and say I'm going to raise up godly business leaders and gather them together and invest in them some of you eat 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 lunch or drink coffee with some girlfriends twice a month would you turn that into a ministry you're already gathering in groups and I want to encourage you to go 
and make a difference by investing in people. And we want to come alongside of you. That's what our small group training is all about, is we believe there's a ministry inside of you and God wants to use you. There's a small group training today at 1.30 at all of our locations. Information's in your bulletin. On Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, there's small group training right here at all the, all the locations. We want to equip you to start your ministry, a small group. Next Sunday after at 1.30 is another training. The following Wednesday is another training. We want to give you opportunity to come alongside of you, to invest in you. Listen, there's a ministry in you. You keep thinking, I'm the minister, and I'm telling you, you are the minister. There's a ministry inside of you. There's greatness inside of you, and I want to call it out in Jesus' name. Would you get a mentee and start investing in their life? Would you get to a small group training? Would you get to growth track today? Get to our growth track class so that we can help you discover your purpose to make a difference. God's called you into ministry. There's a ministry inside of you. And you'll always be restless until you live out your purpose and start making disciples and investing in people.